You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show. And today I have marketing expert David Schloss. David is an online entrepreneur who began marketing in 2007 from his college apartment and over the years has helped hundreds of businesses improve their website traffic, customer acquisition, and grow their profits using social advertising. His business, Convert ROI, enables businesses to succeed by taking complicated social ad plans and seamlessly turning them into easy to follow revenue producing campaigns. He manages over $2.5 million per month in paid advertising via Facebook and Instagram and has been rated one of the top experts to watch by Forbes magazine, has been featured on entrepreneur.com, Business Insider, The Huffington Post, and many other various podcasts and web shows around the globe on the topic of social advertising. So it's my pleasure to bring to you today, David Schloss. All right, I'm here with David Schloss. Thanks so much for being with us and taking the time today, David. Appreciate it. My pleasure. You are a Facebook marketing guru of sorts, um, the secret weapon of many uh, big-time multimillion-dollar uh, marketers that I know, and uh, so you are now also my secret weapon. Um, don't tell anybody. But um, I wanted to, of course, have you on this webinar because, man, there's so many people that uh, that need to know how to do Facebook marketing. Facebook is where all the attention is, and um, but very, very few people know how to do it effectively. Uh, it is, of course, a full-time job. It is, of course, a multi-changing, uh, moving target type of platform. So you're constantly having to need to be up to speed on it. Um, but you've somehow figured it out. So uh, let's dive into all of that, if we will. First and foremost, if you can share with people a little bit about your background to let people know that you're not just some guy that read a DUI, you know, DIY, DIY, do it yourself, DIY book, and uh, now claims that you're a guru. Give us a little bit of an right. overview to know that you are the man that you that you say you are. Sure. So I've had an agency or a version of an agency, we'll just call it that, for 12 years, right? So I started uh, running campaigns for people back then, 12 years ago, around like SEO, PPC, gen, you know, general PPC, AdWords, and things like that, Yahoo advertising back in the day. Um, and really just started to move towards that social realm when Facebook was just opening up their ad platform, which was a little over 10 years ago. So I've been on the ad platform running ads for over 10 years. Hmm. And only those who had inside access or corporate access have run ads longer than that, right? So Facebook had its ad platform open to bigger corporate clients for about a year or two earlier. And so, you know, you can't really get any more of, a, of an OG when it comes to the Facebook ad platform than someone who's running for longer than 10 years, right? And I've been on it for that long. So with that being said, you know, running ads from anything from dog training all the way up to big corporate clients running insurance franchises, right? I've run all these different campaigns over time back from before business manager was created, before the ads manager had its audience insight tool, like all these things that people have now weren't around even five, six years ago. So you can imagine how much tougher it was to figure out what audiences are working and, you know, whether or not your localized campaigns would do better than maybe like hyper local with zip codes and things like that. All the features people have now, it's almost like a cheat code. Mm -hmm. It really is like having a cheat code because I always remember I have five options to fill in. I fill them all in and then I just pray and wait, right? It's like, all right, I hope this really works. And, um, you know, so for anyone who hasn't been through that and they say it's hard now, 
what they really don't realize is that they just need to do more work. They have more work to do, more research to do. It's experience-based. The whole ad platform is based on an experience. And so I've just happened to have more experiences than the average person. Someone who's been through a DIY course, someone who's been through ClickFunnels or, you know, one of these other um, ad managers who creates courses around it. Like if they've been doing it for two or three years, you, you basically got the cheat code to how ads work now. Mm-hmm. Because for anyone who's done it longer than that, it was hard to create a course and tell you what to do because we didn't even know what was going on. Mm. And so, yeah, 10 years in the game, Right now, spend about two and a half million a month on average for all clients. Um, we'll have anywhere from 25 to 30 clients at a time, depending on launches and seasonality. And so, you know, we'll be all over the place at some times where, you know, during the winter time, we're working with a lot of e-commerce businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Black Friday, Christmas, Thanksgiving. But during this time, it's more of a local business and people selling digital. You know, maybe they have some education that they're selling through webinars or getting people on the phone and closing for coaching. So we're a multifaceted agency. We're not tied into just one space and there's nothing wrong with that. I know people doing tens of millions of dollars just in one space, but we happen to be the type of people that you can come to us with a niche or an industry and we can tell you whether or not we can dominate it for you just because of the amount of campaigns we've run over the last 10 plus years. Yeah, see, that's one of the most attractive things I think uh, about what you bring to the table because um, my nature has always been, you know, let me roll up my sleeves and do it myself. And one of the the strongest messages that I consistently get from uh, my mentor, who was the one that referred me to you, is team, get a team. Why are you, you can't be an expert in everything. Get a team to do it. And of course, he referred me to you. And then just hearing that kind of feedback that well, yeah, you're spending seven figures a month. You're going to have visibility into trends, into uh, like the minutia that is going to make the difference that the average person is just, they're just not going to get that exposure and that visibility because they're not seeing the the volume of, uh, of ads going through. So I think that's super powerful. Um, are there industries that you don't work in that you can't dominate in or don't want to dominate in? I mean, there's the standard ones that Facebook obviously will tell you like, hey, we don't want you running ads in there, right? Things like dating, for example, you can get around the dating space. There's always ways to get around that, right? You could say you're a relationship coach or you're a couples coach and things like that. And really what you're helping with is dating, right? But they they don't really like that sort of subject matter. Same thing with like alcohol ads. There's so many hoops you have to jump through in order to sell alcohol on Facebook, which you would think just going 21 and over would be enough. Mm-hmm. It's not that easy. There's a lot more you got to do. Mm-hmm. Same thing with political ads, right? You can run political ads. It's just a lot more hoops to jump through. So, you know, we'll run ads in these different spaces. It's just at what point are we able to get through with the messaging we want to deliver onto Facebook? Or is Facebook working with us to make that happen? Or are they actually trying to push us away and tell us not to do it? Mm-hmm. So anything that's in Facebook's prohibited uh, category of niches. Obviously, we don't work in those for the most part. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple, like I said, with alcohol and dating and things like that, where there's always a way around it. And they will give you leniency. It's just whether or not they want to at that time. So it's okay. all about your connection. Like for me, I have a rep that is always by my side, giving me instruction on what I need to do in order to make things work, who I need to speak to in order to get what I need done. And, and most people in the ad space don't have that. This is because of me having this endless amount of experience with Facebook, 
communicating with their reps since the rep program opened. And I just so happen to have a direct line to Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, but that's just years and years and years of doing this, this work for people. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you don't have that, you probably can't run ads in those spaces because you're just going to run into the headache of everything's getting disapproved. Right. Um, so let's go down that path. So in, in a perfect world, what I'd love to accomplish in the time that we have together today is I want to be able to help the average uh, entrepreneur who may not be tech savvy or whatnot, but there are um, several people in my audience that are tech savvy and want to know a little bit more of the nitty gritty stuff. So if we could start at the 50,000 foot view and just on a simple level, what makes an effective ad in Facebook? What can the average person do outside of hiring you um, to, to take a look at their ads and be more effective with them? So I have this belief that the way that people look at ads on Facebook is usually, and not just ads, posts as well is that they look at the creative first, right? So it's the image or the video. Now keep in mind, video is dominant on this platform. We've known that this was gonna happen for years. It just so happens that now it's becoming far more obvious, right? That doesn't mean that you can't put up an image and that goes viral or that goes to the point of, let's say virality with your audience, right? Your uh, profile people or your fan page audience, but Let's just say in this case, they're looking at either your image or your video first. If it's a video, you're able to gauge, like, at what point are people dropping off? Are they watching 25%? Are they just watching three seconds or 10 seconds? Are they watching the whole minute? Are they watching three minutes? So you're getting a lot more value out of your video, being able to measure what point do people pay attention or drop off. With, with an image, it's, is it something that grabs my attention? Is it something with me in it? Is it something that relays with the, with the messaging? Most of the time, people put up images that have nothing to do with what's above it, right? The ad copy or the post copy. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they lose attention the moment they, that, some, that person takes their eyes off the image, right? If it's a cat image and then you read the copy and it has nothing to do with cats, most people go, the hell is this? And they just move on. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was a cat video or a cat image and then it's talking about cats and this is a cat person, they're most likely going to be paying attention. Mm-hmm. So the way that I see that my eye moves with ads, it goes like this. It's like, okay, here's the image and video. Great. I like this. This is cool. Then I read what's above it. Or some people go image video and I read what's below, below being the headline in this case. Mm-hmm. So if the headline grabs my attention and then the video or image goes along with it, I actually will click through without even reading the copy. Mm-hmm. Some people will read everything. The ones who read everything typically most of the time, end up becoming your more quality clicks because they have more of an idea of what you're going to be presenting on the other side. So what I tell people is this, you know, whether they're my clients or my consulting clients or just people I teach, like your creative is your number one asset that you have to put attention on. Is this image going to grab my attention for me to stop scrolling and then start to look at your situation? Mm-hmm. And if it's a video, I may not have to do anything else other than click through. So does your video present what I need to hear and see in order for me to be intrigued enough to go to the next side? Mm-hmm. The next side being your landing page uh, or applying for something, whatever, whatever it is, right? Jumping on your webinar. And so you're creating a pattern interrupt. That's essentially what it is. But if you think about it, a lot of the videos that do well are people just holding their phone, doing selfie style. Why is that? Personal connection, right? I'm creating a connection. Now, does that work when I'm trying to sell a home? Maybe not. 
Now, it would do great if I'm the realtor and I'm like, hey, here's who I am and here's what I do. Mm -hmm. But when I'm showcasing a house, I need to turn this from personal view over to the, you know, the other view, which is looking at what it is that I'm trying to present to you. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the industry and the niche that you're in. If it's an e-commerce product, now we're talking about, can I present this product to you in a way that makes you go, oh, I need this. Does the impulse come out of you to want to buy it? Mm-hmm. So it's just different levels of attention grabbing, depending on what it is that you're selling. But creative is, all, is number one. Gotcha. It seems really difficult for <clears throat> several types of people to, to do that quick little turn the video on, start recording type of a video. Um, you know, it feels, uh, it feels cheap. It feels uh, unpolished, unprofessional, blah, blah, blah. As, as somebody who studied psychology, you know, I understand the personal nature of it and it actually probably lends more to trust and credibility and authenticity and which will result in more click-throughs and likes and things of that nature. But how do you, what advice do you have for somebody that is trying to, uh, or maybe, you know, they're a financial person or they're, they're presenting something of high value, um, what advice do you have for that type of person with respect to the selfie style videos versus something more polished and professional? So let's say it's like a wealth manager, right? Very professional, millions of dollars under assets, right? They don't want to be presented as someone who's unprofessional or cheap, right? So let's do that as a perfect example. Now, considering the nature of that business, I know they can't reveal a lot of information around investments. They can't reveal like what vehicles are doing great for their client base, so on and so forth, right? But what they can do is provide enough information and education that'll get someone to say like, oh, maybe I do need to contact a tax accountant. Maybe I do need to communicate with this guy and see if I can purchase index funds or put some stocks in my portfolio, right? It's getting people to think. And so with someone like a wealth manager or anyone in the finance space, accountants, CPAs, you know, so on and so forth, what they need to do, honestly, is not selfie style. They need to find an intern who needs to increase their video portfolio mm-hmm. and will shoot for a day in their office for 200 bucks. So they need to go a little more professional. But there's tons of video people out there who will do something for really cheap, mostly college kids, for the most part. College kids are people who are trying to get their master's and they just need more content to throw in 100 200 bucks will cover their whole day and they'll shoot for you all day and edit for you as well Mm -hmm. i know this from experience i've hired along with friends of mine i've hired people from like a local college who are working on a project and they need more video content in their portfolio you give them 200 bucks and some gas money they're ecstatic and they're with you for eight hours Mm -hmm. and you could record an entire quarter worth of content in eight hours if you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. so you don't have to go above and beyond and hire the, you know, the amazing video team that might cost you four grand for the day. You really just need to get on camera. And let's not forget, these people who record for you, maybe they don't edit, no problem. You can find an editor on Upwork. You can even find editors on Fiverr who could piece these things together and put a nice little uh, you know, banner graphic with your name and your website. It doesn't have to be crazy. Mm-hmm. The point is, is you have to make that conscious effort to start. And so what most people do is they overthink it and they believe they got to go hire that $5,000 a day agency or they have to go hire the guy that's done, you know, cinematography for some movie. No, you just need a guy who could turn on a camera and make sure it's pointing at you. And then you could talk about the subject matter you want to talk about. Well, let's, let's get into that for a second. Is there a particular strategy um, that you recommend to creating quality content? 
Yeah, so I actually look at what are people searching for first, right? So, for example, uh, there's a tool that I use called KeywordTool.io, which is very much like Google's Keyword Planner tool, except this tool will tell you what questions or frequently asked questions are being asked in Google, in Bing, in YouTube, even sometimes in Amazon, uh, eBay, like all these different engines based on keywords that you plug in. So for me, let's say I want to become the most well-known Facebook ads person on YouTube. Well, naturally, I want to know what questions people are searching for around Facebook ads. And typically, it's things like, do Facebook ads work? And how do I start with Facebook ads and things of that nature? But the reason why I'd want to start with something like that is because it gives me somewhere to begin the conversation, right? I can go in whatever direction I want to go, but it gives me somewhere to start. So if I see that 5,000 people a month are searching for, do Facebook ads work? Then of course, that's going to be a video that I create around, you know, title is do Facebook ads work? Mm-hmm. Very easy. And then I can answer that in a three to five minute video on YouTube or maybe a one to three minute video on Facebook by revealing testimonials and case studies from people I've worked with and say, do Facebook ads really work? Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. And here's why. And I can go into all these examples of when they've worked. And so it'll provide that credibility. Same thing goes along with if you're, you're talking about something within the platform, right? There might be something around, how do I launch a new ad in ads manager? That entire question, though may only be searched 50 times a month, are hyper-targeted people that if I created that, may be looking for a course on how to do step-by-step processes in Facebook. So one of those 50 people would see a video on how to set up a brand new ad. They run across my video, and next thing you know, they buy my course, mm-hmm. right? So I look for questions that people are already asking. And, and Quora is another great place to look because it's all business people, for the most part, asking questions, very detailed ones too. Mm. Investment information, startup information, wealth. Uh, some of them are around ads. Some of them are around like growth hacking, right? It's all over the place. It's basically a more advanced Yahoo Answers search engine, right? I'm sure a lot of people who've been around for a while remember Yahoo Answers or Ask Jeeves, right? I'm going back. Like those are all the ways that people were looking for questions. Now you just go to a Q&A site like Cora type in a word and you could see every question that people have been asking for years. Mm. And that gives you a starting point. Yeah. Okay. So if we zoom back out to the 50,000 foot view, we're a business, we're wanting to create ads. First step uh, is to strongly consider video. Um, You just gave us some great tips on how to create content, video content that a particular niche would want. What's the next step in the strategy? So, most people would say the funnel could have been first, right? The funnel could have been before the content. For me, I believe that when I can build someone up into that, uh, the nature of like building content every day or every other day, it's going to make the advertising process a lot easier, right? So if you're getting comfortable creating two videos a week, awesome. Then I'm not going to ask you for ads that are pushing people to a website or to a landing page until a couple weeks later. Because I want you to get natural on camera, not mm-hmm. feel uh, you know, all tense and everything when you jump on camera when that red light goes off. I don't want you to freeze, right? So we'll create a content plan with people if they're not natural on camera to just get things rolling, right? Mm-hmm. Build some rapport with an audience, get that brand presence built in. But then the next piece of the puzzle will be, where are we gonna send people? Are we sending them direct to your site? And is your site even optimized for conversions? Is it meant to 
get people to apply or is it going to grab a prospect and turn them to a lead and then put them all the way through until they buy something? Is it set up in that fashion? Most people, no, right? They need to have a funnel built. They need to have an entry point. And so once the content's already in rotation, which remember, we can always edit later. We can always put call to actions later. So if the content's already being created, now we have to look at where are we sending people? The interested prospects, where are we going to send them? So is this funnel going to be, let's say in your case, right? Landing page, webinar, buy a product. Or is it going to be landing page, uh, VSL, and then apply, right? There's so many variations to this. Mm -hmm. And we have to find the one that works. If we stick with the wealth manager concept, most people will go with something like this, a, a VSL, so video sales letter, or a video itself. Who I am, what I do, why I do what I do, and how I can help you. Like those are the core subjects that people put in these videos and maybe even some testimonials or, or proof of concept, right? This is my social proof. And then that's it. And that video could be 10 minutes long. And then right below that is an application. And as soon as that application is filled out, it redirects to a call booking scheduler. And when they book their call, thank you so much. Really appreciate you for booking a call. Here's some extra information about me that I've been featured in or I've been written about that'll give you context about who you're going to be talking to, mm -hmm. right? That's it. Three-page funnel, if you think about it. And that's most people. Most people in the local space or in the, I'll just call it like the high-end profession space, really just need three pages. Mm. Here, here's who I am with an application, book a call, and here's who I am with more context, more proof. And that's yeah, it. It seems, it seems people way overcomplicate this Facebook stuff. And I'm, I'm not speaking with any amount of uh, a large amount of evidence. It's just that this, it's just a hunch that the thing that I consistently sort of run into, it just seems like, well, I'll say uh, Russell Brunson, for those that know who Russell Brunson is, he's a big time marketer. And one of the things he consistently says is people tend to way overcomplicate this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got a great book, talks about his three funnels, which by the way, you mentioned, we're, we're talking about some various marketing terms that the average person may or may not know. Um, you did explain what a VSL is, a video sales letter, or just a video that sells somebody on what they're, what they're offering. Um, yep. Can you briefly explain what you mean by a funnel for those that are brand new to that concept? Sure. So a funnel is essentially just a, a sequence of pages that lead to an end result. So for example, a website is a sequence of pages, but most websites don't tell you this is step one, step two, step three. It's more of just a collection of pages, right? That you could browse at your own pace. A funnel is more of here's four pages, and you won't get to page two unless you go through page one. And you won't get to page three until you go through page two, right? It's a sequence. And so the goal with this sequence is either collecting someone's information or having them buy something. So whether that's buying a course, a book, uh, you name it, or the end result could be I just want to get on a phone call with you. So you need to fill out an application and schedule a call. Mm -hmm. You're still getting that end result. So I look at it as a sequence starting from step one, to, you know, let's just say step four, step five, however many steps you want to include. Uh, I love the way you explain that. I've heard people explain what a funnel is many times before, but that uh, I hadn't heard anybody explain it that way. So I appreciate that. Um, very simple. So, <clears throat> all right. So we have sort of a, a broad game plan. Video works. You gave us strategies on how to create that video. Um, then deciding whether or not that goes into a funnel or what that funnel might be. Um, what other things that can, can you share that goes a little bit deeper with uh, how to make your ads even more effective? 
there are other things. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the, there's a lot of things you can do to make <laughs> it more effective. But let's just start with this. There's a there's a methodology going around now that's a lot a lot of content focused where it's you know you're answering all these questions like I've mentioned and you know you're creating video audiences based on who's viewed 25% or 50% of your content and and then retargeting and it's very complicated for the average joke right so the wealth manager that I'm going to keep using this in, in this example they're not going to know how to create custom audiences at 25 50 75% they're not going to know how to create retargeting right how do i set up my pixel how do i uh, then take that pixel and send people to my site so I can retarget them. Like this is all stuff that takes time to figure out. Now some people are savants and they figure it out in a day and you know boom 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 they're good. There's others that might take a month and there's others that take a year, right? Or longer or or they never figure it out. Right. And so for me that process, whatever you want to call it, I'm not going to reveal it. I'm sure a lot of people know what it is, but content is what's going to drive people to the end result. So really what you have to figure out is just how much content needs to be revealed weekly because that's how I like to look at it. How much do I have to reveal to you weekly to get the result that I'm looking for? So meaning, do I have to release two videos a week and then promote them, market them in order to get five applications a week? Hmm. Or do I need to have a piece of content every day that gets me one app a day? to get those five apps a week, right? And you don't really know this until you try. Mm -hmm. So month number one might be, I'm going to create content every day. And then you promote every piece of content for $10 a piece, right? And of course, the whole advertising process is another thing, but we're just generalizing here, right? The, the semantics of it is always going to go more in depth. Yes. But let's just say you do a piece of content every day, you promote them for $10 every day, and it's to a localized audience. I'm going to use Miami, Florida, because that's where I'm from, right? So you advertise to... Uh, 10 mile radius of your office, right? Because you want to attract people nearby, maybe even 20 miles out. And you do this every day for an entire month. And you find out that you've created all this content and it's only generated you two apps a week. Okay, progress, right? You didn't get five, but you got two. And then you might be able to notice, hmm, some of these videos got a lot of engagement, lots of views. Maybe there were people who are PMing me quite a bit from a certain subject. And so you realize that that only happened once or twice a week. So you don't necessarily need to create content every day. Now what you need to focus on is what type of effective content can I create mm -hmm. once or twice a week? So now instead of, let's just say five days a week, you did about 20 pieces of content. Now you might get it down to eight or maybe you get it down to four, right? But then what you're looking at is which subject matter grabbed the most attention. So let's just say around the wealth manager side, it's all about taxes, right? It's all, you know, everything about taxes is what's getting the most attention. No problem. That same process I told you about with finding those questions, you take that subject matter that you already did a video about, let's just say uh, saving on taxes, you plug in that phrase into the tool and there's your list of new stuff around taxes. And now you could talk about taxes quite a bit, mm. especially if you know that during January through March, everyone's wanting to learn about taxes. Right. right? Maybe during the middle of the year, they want to learn about wealth creation or wealth growth. So you could, you could change your subject matter as well. So the process is very much the same, but you're tweaking it based on what's grabbing my, the attention of people around me or the people that I want to attract. Mm -hmm. And that's just going to take you a time and effort, right? I have to create more content, what's going to grab their attention. And then once I have their attention, where am I going to send them? That's the whole point of the funnel in the first place. Yeah. So, 
what what encouragement can you give the person? I, I'm in the startup. I, you know, I, I talk to a lot of um, solopreneurs and small businesses and um, businesses that aren't super savvy with Facebook or even marketing in general. Mm-hmm. And um, it can be very, very frustrating when you create a lot of content and just it just doesn't seem like anything sticks. Yeah. And so you kind of just shrug your shoulders and go, I, I don't, I don't know what they want. And so there's there's no traction. There's no you know, push through, um, what encouragement can you give somebody that's in that, that, that maybe they don't see that you, that you know, and that you see? Yeah. So as someone like myself, like we're all driven by data, right? So we're able to see whether or not something is connecting with an audience or not. Right. But we're all driven by data. Whereas some people are driven by like personality or simply just they might jump on camera and they feel natural on camera, but people just aren't quite connecting with that person for some reason, mm-hmm. right? And that's the frustrating part. So everyone believes they're amazing at something. <laughs> but the moment you get on camera, that perception changes really fast, mm-hmm. right? Because you could see how someone delivers that message to the audience, the projected audience they're going to be creating. You could tell whether or not they're comfortable talking about themselves or talking about their service. And, and the reason why I bring this up is because I jump on camera, I feel like I'm the greatest in the world, period. Even if I'm not, I feel like I am. And I'll tell people that every day. And mm-hmm. it, just, it just flies out of me when I'm on camera because I love what I do and I'm naturally great at it. Mm-hmm. But take someone who's been running ads for three months, put them on camera and tell them to say all the stuff that I said in the way that I said it mm-hmm. and they could shut down or they freak out or they don't know what to do. And then that perception of that person, even if they're saying all the right things, might be, oh, this person's a fake, this person isn't real, they don't know what they're doing, and it's all personality, mm-hmm. right? It has nothing to do with the image or the, the stuff that they're delivering to the world. It's because of the personality that's being you know, exuded in the video that right. it just doesn't quite connect with people. Right. And so it's not always about the content. The content's fantastic. I've seen so much content that's amazing. But if you really sit down and just don't write notes and just listen, some people will fall asleep. Some people will get bored. Some people will click away. So there's a personality disconnect. Yes. Some people like jumpy, ecstatic, you know, like all up in your face type of personality. And some people just want, you know, tone inflection. You know, sometimes they go up, sometimes they go down. You know, how are things going to shift around when I'm creating that content? Because that's what's going to draw them in. Mm-hmm. And honestly, most businesses don't realize that if the video or the image, or whatever it is, is just strictly boring. Like, oh, it's just a, it's an image of all of us in the office taking a picture together. That doesn't grab my attention. Right. Not at all. But if, uh, if a wealth manager has a nice big box in front of him, and the box says tax strategies, which he obviously wrote on a piece of paper stuck to a box, because it's hilarious. It's like, why would he ever do that? Right. But if I saw that, and I'm like, I want to know all these strategies in that box, automatically i'm like oh okay this guy has a personality it's pretty funny and then i would read more into what it is that he's delivering or he or she is delivering i should say so you know the whole point of all this is most of the time people get frustrated by whether or not a campaign's performing not realizing that if you look at step one which is your content there's a personality disconnect it may not even be that your funnel's messed up may not be that people don't like your industry your ads just might suck they just don't like you. <laughs> so, well, that's that's a brutal reality. What if you what if you uh, swallow that tough pill and you go, man, maybe I'm just not 
likable. <laughs> what next? What do you do there? Is just fold it up or? It's, it, that's, that's a difficult conversation to have. I mean, <laughs> that's one of those things that has been brought up before. It's like every video that this person has done is just not converting or yeah. every image we've done with this person is just not working. Does it feel awkward to say to someone, hey, we should get an actor? Yeah, always feels weird to say that. But there's a reason why they do what they do. They find ways to become that personality on camera to connect with the audience. That's their entire job is to become the person you want them to be, right? So you could tell them, hey, I'm looking for this person with a bubbly personality who can talk about the most boring of subjects being tax strategies and make it exciting for people, right? Okay, cool. I mean, I know exactly what I would have to do. Got to put some things on a whiteboard, you know, dollar signs, a little thing of here, a little pot of gold. It's like, do you want to know the, the, the little golden secrets of how you could save more of this money? And then yeah. just being able to, you know, just be natural on camera. That could be the little change that you need in order for people to want to click through. Because that's all you really need is the click through. Once right. you have the click through, the rest is done by the funnel, right? That, that is a really tough sell for or tough sell for somebody who's dedicated 25 years of their life to becoming that tax expert. What do you mean? You're going to, somebody else is going to get all the glory. Somebody else is going to get all the credibility. And now I have to like, that's a huge identity thing. I mean, it's ego too. It's huge ego, right? But we all want to make a difference. We all want to matter. Um, and so, you know, I, I know that there are, there's a personality type of people who are like, Hey, I want to make money. So if somebody can step in front of the camera and do better than me, I don't care, go for it. Right. And they're just focused on the bottom line, but there are a lot of people that want to step into it and, and be that identity, be that personality that does make a difference, does make an impact. Um, And that just takes time. Does take time. That actually just takes time. Yeah. I was going to say, that's probably the best advice is, is just understand you got to go in and put in the reps. That's all it really is. Think of it as like going to the gym right? In the very beginning, you're lifting weights. You're like, man, this really sucks. I'm weak, right? It's going to take some time before you can get to the point where you're consistently doing that same exercise without struggle. And if that's going to take three to six months, you have to then be dedicated to creating content that people might not see for three to six months. And that is a hard pill to swallow because a lot of people are going to go, I created all this content and I wasted all this time and no one has seen it. It wasn't wasted. You invested the time. Once you figure out what connects with people, you can always bring them back to that content, right? right? But in the beginning, it might be that only five people see it. And that's super disheartening. When a person creates content, they go to the page and they see that it only has 10 views mm-hmm. or worse. It only has one from their mom. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> they don't know how to feel. It's like, yeah. oh, man, I put all this time and effort. I spent... 300 bucks to have this kid come to my office and like, it's not panning out. That's what ads are for. Ads push this in front of people. It's a push, right? It's just, here you go. Look at my stuff. Now, our goal here is I'm basically becoming a data scientist in a way. It's like I'm pushing it in front of people and who's going to pull it in and who's going to keep pushing it away, mm-hmm. right? And I'm looking for those who are pulling it in because they want to see more. Mm-hmm. And if I can pinpoint those people who constantly want to keep pulling in whatever you're creating, then we don't have to worry about no one is looking at your stuff. Now what we worry about, if we even have to worry, is do they like what they're pulling in? Like, do they really enjoy it? Are they consuming it? Are they clicking through or not? Like, that's when we start to do our job, right? Mm-hmm. Taking people from step one to step whatever step they want to end on. And so consider this as well, you know, with the whole actor thing, right? Let's look at lawyers, Oftentimes, 
we turn on TV and we see commercials for lawyers all day long. And it's even worse during the afternoon. If you ever just leave your TV on and just listen, you'll hear lawyer commercials all day long. And it's, and it's not just the same lawyer. It could be four or five different lawyers in that area. You know, truck accidents, just general accidents, right. fraud, you name it. But what's the thing that they all have as a trend? They all want to be on camera. All of them. All of them. <laughs> Except when I lived in Miami, one of the most popular law firms in, this, in that space they only jumped on camera in the last five seconds to say the name of their company. Hmm. They were never on camera till the end. They were brothers too, so they had the same last name, right? So it was like Cohen and Cohen, right? Mm-hmm. Boom, done. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a law firm in Miami. So, mm-hmm. you know, they were very rarely on camera. But who would they have on camera? Past clients. Oh, I worked with so-and-so and they helped me make, you know, get 300000 for my accident. Oh, I worked with so-and-so and they helped me get a million dollars in my settlement. Social proof, right? Lots of testimonials. And then at the end, it's like, yeah, call such-and-such today at this number and we'll get you the money you deserve. Done. Because you only remember those last five seconds where you're like, what was the name of that, the, the guys who helped this lady make five hundred grand? What was the name of those guys that helped this guy get a million? Because that's what's going through your head. Yeah. Because the moment that happens to you, you're like, oh, yeah, I got to call those people. Those guys did tens of millions of dollars in law-based transactions because they used their actual clients in their ads. Whereas every other lawyer was on camera trying to be, you know, the strong arm of the city. You know, yeah. it's like, work with me because I don't BS people. It's like all of them say that. <laughs> the the so St. Louis, the St. Louis one guy, he's got an eye patch, and you see him all over. <laughs> yeah, that's that's his thing. Like that's, that's how you thing. remember him. The dude with the eye patch. <laughs> but that's the thing; it works, right? Or works, or they have a clever, it. or they have a clever phone number. Like you know, oh, call one eight hundred. I am hurt. You know, and then you call him, and you're like, oh, I'm hurt, and then boom, there you go. You got help, right? Yeah. And it's it's easy, but yeah. that's the thing. You have to have something that's a, the creative piece that gets people to go. Oh yeah, you remember such and such? Right. That's why I was saying with wealth managers who are, I love wealth managers. They're great, but they're, they're some of the people that I've worked with that just simply don't want to get on camera. They just want you to throw up an image and be like, I can help you increase your wealth. It's like a lot of people say that. Right. Well, it makes you different. So I need to know more about your personality and what are some strategies that you have and things like that. And that's why it's a, it's a tough pill where it's like, maybe they're great on camera, maybe they're not or they don't know what to say. And that's up to us to tell them, this is what people are searching for. That's why we want you to talk about these subjects. Yeah. One of the tough lessons that I needed to learn uh, a few years ago, I tried to put together this uh, retreat where I had men come out and we did this outdoors survival stuff. And um, at the same time, I I was doing some research to see who else was doing something similar. And I came across a buddy of mine who's a friend now. um, And I was watching him. He was offering essentially the same thing. And it just took off like into the stratosphere. And this guy's super successful now doing this type of work. And I, I, I kind of took a step back. I'm like, all right, what am I missing? What is he doing that I'm not doing? And what I realized was, was that he was the archetype, if you will, uh, the image and more importantly, perhaps the voice that the market needed to hear for the problem that they were seeking to solve. And I realized, oh, I'm not... I either need to step into that voice more or recognize that I bring a different 
value set to the table and, and see how else I can plug into that. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's something I pass along because I think a lot of that might be, that might also speak to why somebody's not resonating on camera. Maybe you are likable, but maybe it's um, the type, the, 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 uh, the archetype personality to solve the problem that the market has. There might be a disconnect there. So there's a lot of these different ways to, to, it's like a key, right? And you're trying to unlock what's effective and what's not. But um, anyway, hopefully, hopefully that's helpful. I'll throw this in to, yeah. to sort of tackle that part too. You're right. Like you have to sometimes step into a new person, right? I was not this version 10 years ago. I definitely wasn't this version even six years ago. This is something that's been developed over time. Even when I started to feel that I was great at what I do five, six years ago, like really feeling it, I still couldn't get on camera and be like, I'm the best. There was like this part where I would start to say it and I go, mm, I don't know, right? It just didn't feel right. Now yeah. it's like I could just, I could blurt it out and I believe it and people feel it and they're like, man, okay, this guy really does believe he's the best. Mm -hmm. Of course, mm -hmm. why do it? But I couldn't get this way in the beginning. So imagine if I was telling someone like, do you feel you're the best lawyer, the best accountant, the best insurance agent in your area? Yes, I do. Great. Say that on camera. And the minute you turn that camera on, they're like, damn, like they just, they can't <laughs> let it out. You're right. That, that takes training. That takes a lot of reps. That takes a lot of belief. Like some people, there's, there's stuff going on in their head. They don't even realize it's there because the brain's doing all of it. It's not unconscious. It's just going and going and going and going and they get stuck. Yep. So there's a combination of things. This can go in a whole different direction around like self-mastery and personal development, which is all needed as part of this journey in business because there's a lot of belief that goes into creating your ads. And most people don't even recognize that. It's like, if I don't come off as the person for what I do, automatically trust factor is gone. Right. I have to come off as the per the guy, the girl, whatever, just, it has to come out. And if it doesn't come out other direction, they're automatically moving on. Hmm. Doesn't mean you have to come out and say, I have a Ferrari or I have a Lamborghini or I have a nice house. What I'm talking about is just, you know, Hey guys, I'm David Schloss. I've had an ad agency for over 10 years now. We spend millions of dollars a month and I've worked with some of your favorite advertisers running their ads. Huh? What? Like, uh, who's this guy? You know, that's immediately what happens because that last part, which is the part that most people don't recognize is what grabs their attention. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. So he's actually the guy running stuff behind the scenes for some of my favorite people. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I got to pay attention to this guy. Yes. <laughs> and then that's what the hook is. Same thing would be with tax strategists and accountants. It's like, yeah, I do the, all the accounting for billion dollar companies and you would never recognize it's us making sure all their books are clean. Interesting. Okay, I want to work with these guys, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with insurance, real estate, you name it. What you're talking about is ultimately is a hook in the marketing speak. Um, and obviously, you know, there are hooks that you can create that are not that do not require a decade's worth of mastery. Um, hooks can be found all over the place. It's you, for those that are trying to find um, or listening to this interview and wanting to find something that's a hook for them or finding something that's interesting or different. It's any time that you just simply go, wait, what? Like yeah. that's a hook. If, you, if you're telling your story, you're looking for somebody to, like you mentioned earlier, the pattern interrupt to where they go, wait, wait, wait what did you say again? How, you know, yeah there's the uh there's the famous you know one-legged golfer 
teaches you how to increase 30 yards on your swing. Wait, what? Yes. One legged yep. golfer, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I have some, I, I posted on Facebook, I said, uh, I'm going to be interviewing you and what questions do you have? So I have a handful of questions here if you're willing to answer some. Some of these are um, from people who are a little bit more sophisticated. So let's dive into this first one. Um, is targeting based on zip code the only way to find more affluent people these days? Hmm. How no. would you find more affluent people? Actually, uh, there's ways you can get affluent people without worrying about zip codes. Um, so a lot of people who've been running ads for a while know that Facebook took away a lot of financial information uh, quite a few months ago around like how much money someone's making. All right, so they made it more of like the top 5% of the affluent zip codes in the U.S., right? And then you would pinpoint by zip code. Mm -hmm. Now, what people don't realize is there's a lot of third-party providers out there. The same third-party provider that was giving data to Facebook, you could actually reach out to them individually. So Axiom was one of them. You could reach out to Axiom and say, hey, that data that you supplied around income targeting, is it possible that I can work with you on getting access to that again? Because yes, you can. They could plug it back into your account. All you're going to do is end up paying a small upcharge on the CPMs you're paying in Facebook. So imagine, let's say a CPM for an audience is $10. If you connect Axiom's database to your account, it now becomes 15 hmm. So when you're paying, you're going to pay that extra $5 to Axiom separately, and the 10 goes to Facebook, right? That's the new way that it's done. So when you're looking for very income-specific type of targeting, let's say you only work with people who make 250 grand or more, right? Let's just say, or people who have only a million dollars in net worth, you have to reach out to third-party providers because you're not going to find that in Facebook mm -hmm. as a default. And so instead of just worrying about zip codes, if you were saying, I want to work with all the affluent people in Florida who have a net worth of a million dollars and, you know, whatever that next layer would be, that's where you'd have to reach out to a company like Axiom and see if they have that data available. Another company would be Oracle. Oracle has a, a, comp a smaller company within it called Data Cloud, which does the exact same thing. You just tell them what you're looking for, and they plug it in, and you pay them separately. And this is totally legit because Facebook told me this, <laughs> that I'm allowed to do this. Okay. So it's okay. Uh, and is that integrated into Facebook's software as well? So, so right in. you're paying Facebook, but Facebook then pays them? So it's like, imagine, so the deliverability is through Facebook. So you're paying the deliverability and then the CPM that you're paying is sort of like an, it's a increased amount for like $5 goes to Oracle, 10 will go to Facebook. Right. But the 10 that goes to Facebook, Facebook automatically will bill. And then the five that goes to Oracle, they'll be like, Hey, here's your invoice for the month. Got it's it. $900, right? It's the extra five on top of everything. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what are your favorite targeting tactics for cold traffic, interest layering versus lookalike, et cetera? Uh, that's a loaded question. Yeah, all right. So um, I love lookalikes because my lookalikes tend to perform really well. And explain um, real quick what that is to those that don't sure. know. So a lookalike audience is, imagine you take a, a, a data point. So let's say all your customers, all your leads, and they're in a, in a CSV file in Excel, right? And these are all the people who've ever bought from you every email address, every phone number. I could load that into Facebook as a custom audience, and then I can create a similar audience to the data I've uploaded to Facebook. AKA right. lookalike audience. AKA lookalike audience. And so 
I love lookalikes because a lot of people will tend to say like, oh, I loaded all my buyers and the lookalike audience isn't working. Remember, loaded question because a lot of things can go into whether or not an audience is working. It's not just about the data set. Mm-hmm. Just because it's all of your buyers doesn't mean everyone's going to work for you, right? You, just because you create the lookalike doesn't mean it's going to work. Now, if I'm creating lookalikes, I tend to do them from leads, people who open emails, people who don't open emails, including unsubscribes, um, you know, because I can re-engage them, uh, you know, just anything that's of, of importance in my business. Primarily, buyers are where we always tell people to start. Buyers or high-end leads, right? Let's say you're doing applications. It's like, I want every application you've had in the last year. And that's another thing is we like to do it based on recency. Meaning, if you get a lot of lead flow, can you give me a 30-day list? Can you give me a 90-day list? 180 days? Because what we often find is that sometimes the general list or the broad list isn't always the best list. Sometimes it's your 30-day list. Or if you have thousands of people buying your product a week, maybe it's just the last seven days, right? And you don't know until you test. So lookalikes do incredibly well for us um, by layering what that person's asking is, do we take a lookalike and then layer it or add it to an interest? So an interest being a keyword. So would I target my, my buyers of a lookalike? Let's say my 1% lookalike. My 1% means the closest similarity to the data set that I created in Facebook, hmm. most relevant. So if I take my 1% lookalike and mix it with people interested in online advertising, right? Online advertising is already a huge industry on Facebook. It's, let's just say 10 million people. But this lookalike is 2 million people. When you layer them together, it does not become 12 million people. What it actually becomes is how many of these 10 million are in this 2 million? And when you bundle them together, it'll come out to, let's say, like 1.2 million. So 1.2 million of these 10 million are in this lookalike already. These are my hyper-targeted people. They're similar to my buyers and they're interested in my subject that I want to target online ads. Mm -hmm. That's a great place to start depending on what you're selling. How do you know what to test? It just seems like there's so many different things that you can test. Is there a a general? Yeah, there's so many. Um, Ridiculous. It's it's a lot. Uh, There's a... There's a spreadsheet that I once created that had like a hundred something variations of ways I can start audiences. And I I realized that a lot of accounts start the same way, which is, you know, I asked for all those data points again, like, do you have buyers and leads? And for those people who don't have that, it's okay. I'm just saying this is what we ask for. So do you have buyers? Do you have leads? Do you have email openers? Do you have unsubscribes? Like give us your general email list, like the master list. And, You know, is it segmented by product? Like it could become a lot of different points. Just from those alone, I can create lookalikes of everything and just start with that. I could just start with 1% lookalikes of everything and then go from there, right? I could do the layering and all that other stuff, but it gives me somewhere to start. If you don't have that as a initial starting point, let's say you have no leads, no buyers, nothing, you're going to start with interests. It's keyword research, right? What keywords or personalities or YouTube channels or Facebook fan pages, what come up as potential targets for who it is that I want to attract. So for example, if I'm selling a guide on the keto diet, I'm not going to target people interested in keto because they already get stuff on keto. You got to find people who don't know about keto. Mm. So the funny thing is that a lot of people on paleo 
tend to go to keto because paleo for them gets boring and they want to lose some weight or some people on paleo just don't feel good anymore and for some reason they go to keto and they feel fantastic right i only know this from my own experience too and market research mm-hmm. okay cool interesting why would someone in the paleo space move to keto well you don't know until you try right now would you target keto to the vegan audience no common sense that mm-hmm. doesn't work that's mm-hmm. not what you do but here's the funny thing when i said it doesn't work that doesn't mean that you can't get buyers from that audience because there are tons of people who research vegan based diets but don't do it they just do the research mm. so you got to think what's the alternative what are the fad diets what are the alternative lifestyles what are the things that people search for commonly before they end up coming to a decision to start the keto diet and that's where you target fasting uh, intermittent fasting and veganism and paleo and raw food and like all these different variations they're not fads i'm just saying like these are all the other sides of the coin sure. and you would push those keywords towards selling something around let's say in this case the ketogenic diet and you would eventually create an audience of visitors clickers and potentially buyers or leads of those people in those audiences that want this information and you do the same thing whether it's i'm promoting my services or i mean if i'm promoting my services i'm going to target it towards professions or i'm going to target it towards uh subjects where people would be looking for an online advertiser so i might target online advertising and say are you looking for the best online advertiser on the planet right just to grab attention just to see right. what people would say right. but that's that's the type of thing i would do or i would target lawyers and then have a story based ad around a lawyer that i've helped but only target lawyers and see if they would want me to help them so there's all different ways you can go. Yeah. It really depends on the niche. And don't even get me started on e-com stores. That's a completely different process. Okay. You know, so yeah, it's a lot of ways you can make this work. Yeah, it's it's easy to get overwhelmed. Um All right, another question. Um What platforms or placement do you think is the most effective right now on mobile and or desktop, Instagram versus Facebook? Oof. Well, Instagram is Facebook. <laughs> uh but Instagram's doing incredible for us right now. Um especially stories. So for those of you who have I'll just call it a younger brand, 18 to 34, let's say you sell uh this is where e-commerce would be a great idea. So let's say you sell something that could be trendy or could sell incredibly well to a younger demo like phone accessories, right? If you can make an Instagram story in 15 seconds or even do in a an extended story which is let's just say 60 seconds right but it's all pieced together that can sell this person or people into a product you're going to do incredibly well why because if i can grab your attention 15 seconds to swipe up and go to my product and read around and potentially buy i'm about to drive a lot of traffic mm. and not to mention instagram stories are incredibly cheap right now right now and they integrated facebook stories as well which is the exact same platform except you're just moving your ad from one place to another and facebook stories are going to get a lot of preferential treatment too so don't be surprised if that comes up but essentially you're using the ad on both platforms but instagram it's just a natural inclination to swipe up right so 15 seconds i grab your attention you swipe up you see this thing and you love it you buy it instant And I was helping a brand in December, November and December. We sold almost 2 million dollars worth of product just with stories. Just with stories. No no feeds, no nothing. 
all phone, all this, 18 to 34 year olds. Tons of, of stuff. What type of uh, industry or niche? It was a accessory brand. So like phone accessory type stuff. Wow. And $2 million. Now, of course, lots of people are going to say, oh yeah, it's Christmas and Thanksgiving and Black Friday and you know, you're running sales. Yeah, of course we're running sales. We're also competing with Best Buy. We're also competing with Amazon. Mm-hmm. And we still do $2 million from an unknown brand just with stories. Mm. Which, by the way, none of those brands I mentioned were running stories. Right. So we took the real estate. You know, so you got to think, if you're going to say my favorite thing right now is Instagram, of course. But the story part, if you're able to dial that in, it could work for leads. It could work for buyers of e-com product. It could work for anything. And you just got to figure out how to deliver your message in 15 seconds. What's your elevator pitch that gets people to want that item? And they would make a decision immediately. And if you could figure that out, it's, it's a goldmine. So <clears throat> not necessarily for lead gen, just specific to direct to sales or, or any call to action? It, it works for lead gen too. Okay. So lead gen's a little, I wouldn't say it's a little tougher, but there's a... Um, there's a placement called, not a placement, a campaign objective called lead, uh, it's a lead generation. It's for lead forms, right? It's like pre-filled information uh, to where it grabs your information from Facebook or Instagram. It'll put your, like, your name, your email, sometimes even your phone number, pre-populated. And all the person has to do is click submit. So let's say you want to deliver a PDF, right? It's like my, my 10 strategies for filling your webinars, right? And, and this person sees it and they're like, oh, I definitely need that because I have a webinar. If I send an Instagram story ad to them and they see it and they want it and they swipe up, it'll actually have all that info pre-filled. All they have to do is confirm it. Mm. And so they click submit. It says, thank you so much for submitting. And then let's just say I deliver it because I, I have something on the back end that'll auto-deliver. Once they click submit and it's confirmed, it'll just go put them right back into their story. So they can just go to the next story. And that's it. They just move forward. So... I love it for lead gen. The difference with lead gen is, is trying to tell someone in 15 seconds what's so important about this guide or this action plan or whatever sometimes doesn't come off the greatest. Gotcha. Whereas with the product, it's a little different. The product mm-hmm. could be, let's say, like a phone charger. I take out my phone. I put it on the charger. It beeps and says it's charging. And you go, get this charger. And that's it because mm-hmm. you just showed that it works. Mm-hmm. And then people naturally will want to buy it. So, you know, it, it different different situation when it comes to physical product, but you can make it work with lead gen. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, what resources do you use to stay on top of Facebook updates? Facebook newsroom, because that's where Facebook makes their uh, announcements. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There are some people like myself that might get an announcement a day or two before the general public. And the good ad guys will share that information. <laughs> uh, I share it a lot. So if I get something from my rep, I share it with people in my Facebook group. It's like, hey, here's what's going on at Facebook. You'll know in the next two days what's going to happen for you, right? So Facebook does deliver a lot of information to its agency partners. So agency partners will get like newsroom stuff before everyone else. The Facebook newsroom is just for the general public. And then you can go to places like Adweek, uh, adweek.com, like they're constantly getting like insider info because they talk to people directly in Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like more of like the higher ups. They'll tell you like what's going on. If you're just looking for general news, like you could just type in Facebook news and then Google news will give you what you want. But if you're talking about new features, the features actually will get released by ad guys or ad women who are in the platform and spend a lot of money. 
Because what happens is we get really ecstatic. We get really giddy. And we're like, oh, what's this new placement? And then we use it and we talk about it. So a lot of the news that gets spread about Facebook actually comes from the higher end people spending tons of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they'll say, hey, by the way, and they'll screenshot it. And I only know this because I see it every day. Screenshot something and say, hey, by the way, I just got this new feature. This is going to be coming out soon. My rep just confirmed with me. So if you see it, you just got a brand new feature. And you, Facebook won't even announce that this new thing is out. Huh. Just something that appears. Gotcha. Right? So oftentimes you just got to be following certain people. Yeah, that makes sense. That's where I often get a lot of uh, insight um, as well. So definitely recommend that. Um, let's see. What is the most effective way to get people to interact with your sponsored post, no matter what the product? And we, we've covered that to a degree. A lot of um, that's going to be creative based. Yep. Yep. And, and video, as you mentioned, is, seems to be the type of media that works most effective. Yep. Um, let's see. What's the best way to turn interest into profit? I've got loads of interest in my content, not a lot of interest in paying me money for it. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a disconnect between, I don't know the ditch, right? So I'm generalizing here. Um, that's going to be dependent on how you're delivering the content to these people and who it is that you're attracting again, mm-hmm. right? So I've built my agency to work with a certain degree of people based on like how much they spend, what type of brand do they have? Like what industry are they in? Like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that's been developed over years, right? So when someone comes to me with n- n- something that doesn't fit that criteria, typically the one thing that doesn't fit is just ad spend. Not necessarily the niche isn't a good fit or anything. It's ad spend. So mm-hmm. when I create content and put it out there for free, the funny thing is I don't get hit up by a lot of people who aren't within my criteria because I constantly put it out there that this is who I work with. Mm-hmm. So if they're running across, let's, I wouldn't say broke people, but let's just say people who don't want to give them money. There's a trust factor that's missing, typically, because I know people who are broke who will take out a loan and buy your product. I've, I've seen it, and it turns their life around, right? I've seen it. At the same time, if they don't want to give you money, but you're educating and educating and educating and educating, then you have to pull back a little bit and stop educating so much for free and start surveying these people, put out a post that says, hey, I've been delivering content for the last three months. What is the one thing that you find that allows me to be trusted by you? Because those people who do answer it, even if it's just four people, are going to tell you exactly what's allowed them to be like, I want more content from this guy or this woman. Mm-hmm. And that'll allow you to then figure out, okay, if these are the four things that or three things that people see in me that allows them to develop trust with me, I need to bring that out more when I'm speaking about what it is that I do, right? And oftentimes it could be, you know, let's just, if they're in the biz op space, like I said, a lot of people are promoting with cars and homes and vacations because that's the dream, right? But that's not what attracts me. So when I see that, I think this person's a douchebag. <laughs> I don't trust this person. Right. Even if it's a, it's a real person that, that I know is, is awesome, it's like that's not what I'm looking for. But if all of a sudden they had an ad that said, how would you like to create generational wealth through what it is that you're currently doing and make your life a lot easier doing what you're doing? I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome, right? Because mm-hmm. now they have my trust because that's what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. But it could be that he has a trust factor issue, meaning like there's a disconnect in what he's saying or simply he's targeting the wrong people. 
-hmm. You can have a hundred interests, but not realize that two of them are the ones generating all the people that you need. And the only way you're going to know is by, well, one, you got to test them all, but two, which of these interests have actually led to engagement and conversation with you personally, PMs or DMs, you know, personal messages or direct messages. And, and were they people who were most interested in working with you? And if yep. none of that's happened, you have a huge audience disconnect with what you're saying. Makes sense. Yep. Um, what's the best way for us small-time guys spending less than $100 a month on Facebook ads to get traction? Start spending more than $100 a month. Less, less than $100 a month. What's the best way for a, a small person to get the best traction? Well, number one would be spend more. <laughs> um, because here's the thing, my belief, and I've been saying this since I started, because I didn't start running ads myself until I was spending at least $5 a day, which comes out to about 150 a month. Okay? So he's spending less than that already, which means that, yes, do I know people who spent a dollar a day and had traction? Absolutely. Guess what? What they don't tell you is they were running 30 ads at a dollar a day. So they were spending $30 a day. Mm. So you got to start getting context, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. it's not $5 a day. That still works to a degree, but there's plenty of people spending $5 a day times 10 times a hundred. So when I spend money on ads personally, I'm doing $5 a day times 20. So I'm spending a hundred dollars a day. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to get traction because I'm able to pinpoint with each $5 segment, each $5 audience, who's actually paying attention. And then I just focus on the ones who are getting all the attention. Because this entire game is, in, is attention. Yes. Who's grabbing my attention? So you want traction? Okay. Who's your competitors? Are they running ads? Which, by the way, now you could check if they're running ads. You can go to their fan page. And on the left side, it says info and ads. And you can click it and they'll tell you if they're running ads. Some of them are smart and they use secondary pages. But most people don't do that. Right? So you look at the page and you see they're running ads. What you then have to determine is are they getting more reach and impressions than you? And if they are, you have to make a guess on what they're spending. Facebook won't tell you. But if they're running, let's just say, dozens upon dozens of ads, most likely they're not spending $10 a day. Mm-hmm. They're probably spending hundreds a day, possibly mm-hmm. thousands a day. So if you're not getting traction in your area, like 5 to $10 a day is enough to gain a customer or a lead or conversation. But if you spend less than that, you're really, you're, you're trying to extract something that's not there. Mm-hmm. So $5 a day is my minimum. $10 a day is what I recommend. It's 300 a month. And I know for a fact, most people in business, if they don't have 300 a month, they have a bigger problem than the ads not working. What they yeah. really have is a money issue that they have to solve first. And that could be, I hate to say it, sometimes you got to get a part-time job or a full-time job to compensate for your dream. And that dream could be that you run ads, you build a business, and then you don't have a job anymore. Yeah, right. Cut out Netflix or cut out, cut out Starbucks. And, yep. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. Here's a little bit of a uh, different one. Uh, uh, let's see. What, is, what are you going to do for work when this new algorithm kicks in that basically minimizes everyone's feed and makes business pages posts pretty much non-existent? I'll go run ads on YouTube, which I'm already doing. Um, and if it was going to make pages non-existent, which Facebook makes like majority of their revenue on ads, then basically what you're saying is that their ad platform would disappear right? or it would skyrocket in cost, which guess what? 
I've positioned myself to work with corporate people. So I'll just charge corporate people 5x what I'm charging now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not scared of that. I've been through Facebook's algorithm shifts over the years. Um, the ones who panic and are fearful and scared are the ones who started recently because all they hear is the chatter of the BS from, uh, you know, oh, everything's increasing in price. Duh. The more people that join, the more it's expensive it's going to become. Inventory goes down. I get it. So that's why creativity is how you lower your cost. The more creative your ads are, the lower your CPMs are, the more leads you get, everyone's happy. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, I'm, I'm happy to pay $100 CPM if I'm getting clients and customers, right? I just got to know my metrics. So if, if the mindset is that deliverability is going to go down, ad costs are going to skyrocket, and I got to go, go get a new job, hey, all good. I'll take over Google and YouTube in six months, and I'll be telling you about Google and YouTube mm -hmm. because that's how much I believe in myself. So, yes. you know, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I think the thing that people need to remember is – we're talking about business and business comprises of people and, and, and <laughs> yep. And things are going to change. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, you're solving problems as a business owner, problems are not going to be going away. People will pay to get their problems solved. They're going to pay to find out about those things in whatever platform that is. And if Facebook wants to self-sabotage, then like you said, there's going to be other. Yeah, it'll be MySpace 2.0. Right. <laughs> MySpace had an ad platform. Look what happened to them. They did some wrong moves. And they're practically non-existent at this point. But yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean Facebook would make the same, the same exact decisions sure. because, you know, that's why they have Instagram. That's why they have WhatsApp. That's why they have Oculus. <coughs> There's a lot of things that people forget that are going to be available. Next thing you know, I'll be advertising in AR, right? We'll all be holding phones with, with things popping out of them and I'll be advertising to you on the TV screen and your crazy looking app, right? It's, <laughs> it's, Whatever. I'm not worried about it because right. I'm already thinking about the future. And so everyone who's, who's freaking out now, it, really, it's because their business is, is faltering. It's, it's bouncing a lot. And they're like, Facebook's my problem. Facebook's my problem. And there's a bigger problem than that. It's not mm -hmm. just Facebook. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. What, uh, what trends do you foresee coming down the road that people ought to be aware of? I kind of just, yeah, just mentioned a couple. So it's yeah. like, going to be more augmented reality. Virtual reality has already been a part of it, but augmented. Uh, they're going to be more focused on app. So they're going to be more app-based advertising taking place, whether it's through like their, their, um, like their more virtual-based properties that they're developing, Oculus. Um, you know, with mobile, they're going all in on Instagram right now. If people haven't been advertising on Instagram, you need to hurry because it's still worth it. Uh, WhatsApp was recently introduced. Like that's still a work in progress because it's a messaging app and they don't want to put too many ads in there, right? So there's a lot of things that they're doing to improve, but as long as there's a billion plus people on Facebook, there's going to be plenty of inventory. And if you only sell in the US, yeah, you might see a little bit of that being an issue. But if you're someone who's selling um, all over the US or into other countries, like you're not going to see that issue for a very long time. Hmm. Gotcha. Um, why do you do what you do? I love it. Honestly, it, actually, it also saved my life quite a bit because um, I was trying to figure things out in the beginning, like every entrepreneur, right? Just going from opportunity to opportunity, trying to figure out why this wasn't working for me because Facebook didn't work for me in a sense of my business being what it is now. Mm -hmm. didn't work for me for six to seven years. The first six to seven years of me being in business, mm -hmm. it was just, it was all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so I, I went broke twice trying to figure things out. 
how to get a part-time job, like all that good stuff. And by the time I figured it out, it was a combination of how I felt about myself and what it is that I do as much as it was about the uh, content and the results I was putting out there. Because you can get great results for people and still not be hired by a lot of high-end people, right? Mm -hmm. It's just there's something that has to connect between you and the person you're going to be advertising for. And so I always tell people like Facebook saved my life because when my life fell apart the second time when I was completely broke and I didn't have any clients and my business was making zero, like I had zero in my account, literally zero in my account and I had no clients. Hmm. So when I had to figure things out again, Facebook was my outlet because I messaged every friend on my friends, uh, friends list at the time, which was only about 800 people, 750, 800 people. I messaged all of them when I was allowed to do that before they had a spam filter mm-hmm. and I asked for help. So Facebook allowed me to reach out for help and I got plenty of help. I had 77 people and I always remember this number. I offered to give someone an audit of their ad account in exchange for help, meaning not to become a client, but to just give me advice. So I had 77 audits that I conducted in a three-day period, Whoa. which turned into seven clients at $1,500 a month hmm. because they saw my audits. I didn't sleep. Honestly, it was like I slept like two hours a day. I was too concerned with being broke, right? right? So it's like, got to pay this stuff or else I'm going to get evicted and car taken away and all this stuff. So you do 77 audits and you have hundreds of people messaging you help, like do this and do this and do this. Like I could write a book on all the stuff that I got, hmm. but at the same time, 10 people, uh, seven people trusted me enough to give me 1500 a month because they saw my audit and they went, damn, this is really good. Like I should just have them run my stuff. Hmm. And that was what pushed me in the direction of figuring out the angle I needed to take to get people to trust me, but also for them to see what I see when I run ads. And that was only five, six years ago. Wow. And that was when Facebook really started to take shape. So the way that I made it work, it all sort of came together at the same time. Audience, you know, the audience insights was developed and ad manager and business manager and Instagram, all this stuff was just taking form. And I already was seven years in the game and failed a ton. So what was the new angle that you took? I was really just the, I'm the guy who can help you scale a business. I'm not going to help you build one. I'm not going to help you develop a concept, but I could help you scale. And so think about how we were introduced, right? The guy who introduced us said, David could help you scale your business Mm -hmm. verbatim what he said. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I realized is that a lot of people get to a ceiling and they don't know how to pass it. They don't know how to break it or they don't know how to pivot and go beyond it and then go up again. I had that strong suit. I could look at your business and tell you where the ceiling has been met and what we need to do to exceed it or what we need to do to go around it. Mm. And that was always my strong suit. I just didn't know because I was taking everything new businesses, business that were established with falling apart. I was, I was trying to become like the, rep- the repairman. It's like, oh, I'll take your business and I'll fix it. I don't need to be your savior. I'm not your savior. I'm not your business. Yeah. I'm, I'm really the guy who could take it and grow it, but I'm not going to be able to save it if I'm not there every day. And I was taking too many businesses that I was trying to save. Uh, there, was a, there was a mental blockage in myself. I'm like, oh man, I must really like to save people if all of my clients are trying to be saved. So there's something in me that I'm trying to save. Oh, I'm trying to save myself yeah. from all this BS. So if I'm attracting that, you know, mirror reflection, like attracts like, if I'm attracting a bunch of failures, then of course I'm going to be a failure myself. 
So I need to change that angle. And that's exactly what I realized was it wasn't just an angle. It was actually what I was good at. And now someone has a webinar that's doing great. They're doing, you know, a hundred K a month. That's fantastic. A lot of people on this are going to go hundred K a month. It's awesome. There's a lot of ambitious people out there who are going to go, I want to make a million a month. Who can help me get to a million a month? That's when I get the phone call. So I repositioned myself as not an ads guy, a Facebook guy. I help you take your physical or digital product and scale it to heights you've never imagined. Mm. Period. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Let's have a conversation. I'll tell you. That's it. So Love yeah. it. And you're uh, just to kind of wrap things up in a nice, neat little bow again here. Uh, you're down in Miami, Florida. You said you have uh, you have a family down there. I was in Miami, Florida. So I, I lived in Miami for the majority of my life, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. I'm out in Boulder, Colorado now. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, very good. Well, um, that uh, is probably a good place to wrap things up for now. I would love to maybe have you again on uh, on the show in a little bit, especially after we've gotten a chance to work even more and we can talk about some of that, uh, the, those results and whatnot. But David, thank you so much for your time. I know you're extremely busy. You got a lot of people uh, wanting your ear. So I appreciate you spending some time with us today. And for those that are interested to find out a little bit more about you, where can they go? How can they find you? Yeah, so you can go to convertroi.com. Uh, you'll see information about me and what I do. And if you want to hit me up for any sort of uh, potential services, all my information is there. You can email me direct. Everything's on that page. Um, you can also follow me on Facebook. So if you want to follow me directly on my profile, it's facebook.com slash schlossy. So S-C-H-L-O-S-S-Y. Had that nickname forever. And you know, I also have a fan page. You can just search my name and it'll show up as well. And if you want to know if it's the real me, I got a blue check mark. So you know it's the real me. So Got it. And then for those that um, are interested, can you give them a a basic minimum uh, ad management fee so that they at least know sort of the ballpark of type of clientele that you work with? Sure. So uh, a lot of the clientele that we work with typically on average will have more than 10K a month to spend. Every now and again, we'll see a business where we look at the offer, we look at the opportunity and they might have between five and nine K to spend. And we'll take the opportunity to help them grow because we see the potential in the offer. Not to mention, you know, we usually work with people on three month arrangements. So as long as you have at least, let's just say at least five to nine K a month to spend, we'll look at your offer and work something out with you. If you have over 10, we're going to look at you for sure. If you have anything more than that, I mean, obviously we're going to be able to help you because we already can tell you're trying to scale or you're already in the point of scale. Um, for most people's reference, we've spent as low as 5k a month and we've spent as high as 500k a month. So no budget scares us. It's really just a matter of whether or not we feel we can help you grow continuously. If we see your offer and it doesn't look like a good fit to us, we're going to tell you, Hey, this isn't a good fit for us, but we know some people who might be able to help you. Fantastic. Well, man, appreciate it. Um, so much wisdom and uh, value in this call. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I'd love to have you again on the program in, a, in the relative near future, mm-hmm. time permitting. But thanks again for your time, Dave. I really appreciate it. Man. You got it. No problem. All right, brother. Take care.